The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Welcome back. This is part two of our tradecraft analysis of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. In part one, we set up the major characters and laid out all of the events and information of our George Smiley protagonist we'll need to discover. If you missed out on part one, there's a simple solution. You might want to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so that you can always stay caught up with us. That's right, Dave. Part one was all about us describing what actually happened before George Smiley was put on the case. Now that we have the table set, we'll be discussing our super spy detective's process. Uh, basically how he goes about figuring out what actually happened. And that's going to be the subject of this episode of Spies Like Us. This is the story. Is Smiley is called upon by Buttered Toast Guy to come out of retirement to investigate the possibility of a mole. Uh, and he was selected specifically because he had been retired, quote-unquote. Uh, and so no one at MI6 would, I guess, be aware of Smiley's involvement. But also Smiley was like Control's right-hand man. So Smiley has a motivation. He has personal experience and information. And this is plus spy points for a Buttered Toast Guy. Buttered Toast Guy even had said, Control had come to me uh, a while back and told me about the possibility of the mole, which apparently everyone in the entire country of England dismissed except for Control. This is how the Buttered Toast Guy plays it to Smiley, because Smiley's like, I'm retired. Remember, you fired me. And and, uh, Buttered Toast Guy is like, well, I figured since you were Control's right-hand man that, you know, th- this might have like a more of a personal uh, motivation for you type of thing. And, and so that's how he gets Smiley on the case. What I like about this is that uh, Buttered Toast knows if you're going to investigate MI6, you need someone that is currently outside of MI6, but that also knows the players. Once Smiley accepts the job... He says he wants just two people on his team. He wants Cumberbatch. Because Cumberbatch was Ricky's uh, handler, so he would would be the closest guy to being able to uh, confirm or deny what what Ricky is reporting to Buttered Toast. And he Mm -hmm. also wants uh, this other guy, George Mendel, uh, who who appears only super briefly in in the in the story, uh, but uh, we're going to give him a special award later. Yes, so definitely. he's just got two guys, and so nobody at MI six knows that Smiley is basically investigating investigating MI six. He's doing it from the outside, but he does have some contacts, and he does like know the inner workings. He knows the players. The first thing he does after taking the job is he investigates uh, John Hart's flat old control who, by the way, we hadn't mentioned uh, died shortly after he got shoved out. We never heard if that was uh, you know, natural death or suicide. Seems like a very suspicious thing to me, but yeah. uh, the, movie, <laughs> the movie doesn't do anything with that. And uh, that's where he finds uh, that control had, had put together a set of chess pieces and and that's where he finds what control had labeled Tinker Tailor, Soldier, Poor Man, Beggar Man, all that stuff. It's that uh, finding of the chess pieces. That's what triggers him, like kind of like our first very important flashback 
which is stuff we already talked about, which was like him reminiscing about Control's anxieties about Percy and his whole witchcraft crew. So that's the first thing that is on Smiley's mind is, wow, Control was really worried about this witchcraft stuff. His next move is he wants to know how, like, what Percy, what, what did Percy do immediately after me and Control got forced out? Who got fired? Who got promoted? Uh, you know, what, what was the shakeup of the house? And he also wants all the records of uh, reptile fund payouts. Reptile fund being, um, I'm, not, I'm not certain if this is a carryism or if it's a legit spy parlance, but the reptile fund in this case is like... Um, uh, the slush fund. Yeah, like the secret payouts. He sends uh, Cumberbatch in to get those because Cumberbatch still has his, you know, ID. Cumberbatch can still go in and out of the circus. Right. He's clearly still on the payroll and has clearance and they all know everybody at the building knows him. Right. Smiley can't do that. If Smiley showed up, everybody would be like, what the fuck, dude? Didn't you get fired like two years ago? Yeah. Did you not get the memo? (laughs) (laughs) I, I gotta call this out. I'm a little annoyed by the film. While Cumberbatch is in the circus building, getting this information for Smiley, it's kind of noticed by the cabal and uh, the soldier character uh, has a meeting on the rooftop with um, Bill, the tailor. And, um, you know, we even have a scene where like, as Cumberbatch is coming down the elevator, soldier uh, takes it like out of his way to like, kind of show up there and kind of just seem kind of, I don't know, weirdly menacing, curious kind of thing. It's all mm-hmm. bullshit. It's all movie bullshit. <laughs> this, this, this goes nowhere. It's not explained. We're going to call this chicken feed. Uh, not only in the prosecution of uh, like spy tradecraft that we see prosecuted in movies, but also sometimes when movies give us, the audience, some bullshit information that means nothing. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and is purely meant for us to just like, oh, look over there or look over here or think about this guy. If it has no reason, then that's fucking chicken feed for us. That's, right. just, that's just for no reasons, just to throw the audience off the scent. Minus spy points for your chicken feed. The whole elevator thing is it's yeah. Minus for the movie. From Cumberbatch getting sent in, he he finds out that Connie, the analyst, who we talked about earlier, who spotted something in the film about Polyakov, and that's what got her, uh, quote-unquote, retired, um, uh, that that puts a lot of suspicion on Percy. And I I think the film really did a good job of that, because... Like, why would you get rid of him? This is a pretty big find. Why am I being forced out? You know, uh, but you know, she she also reminds us that uh, Bill and uh, Jim or Mark Strong's character were very very close, and that's when Smiley adds Polyakov to the to the as a chess piece to the board because clearly something something is uh, rotten in the circus. Cumberbatch also comes back with uh, you know the the requested 
reptile fund information. And we, uh, Smiley gets this big clue that uh, Mark Strong uh, received uh, money two months after his death, which raises questions. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, why are you paying a dead man? I, and I thought it was cool how he figured it out because the, the payment receipt was actually to uh, a, a person of a different name and Smiley re- realized that that was one of Jim's cover names. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so Smiley has those clues in hand. This is the point in the contemporaneous story uh, where Smiley actually does meet with Ricky and here's this whole story about what happened in that country that we forgot to put down in our notes. <laughs> um, but the story about, you know, uh, Irina and what happened there. And here, too, um, Ricky's motivation, you know, is established through a story of, of what he did wrong and how he fucked up through his ambition. But now he's got a new ambition or a new goal, um, which is he knows he fucked up and he feels absolutely shattered over the idea that this innocent woman uh you know has disappeared into the soviet gulags or whatever torture chambers who who knows (laughs) who knows what but his main motivation is not just to like clear his name and and come home clean but uh but literally like you 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 gotta save her i can't live with myself if i'm the reason that she goes down yeah it was pretty heavy for him. And what's important about the uh, this scene for the investigation is this confirms the existence of a mole. Uh, but uh, when Ricky tells the story, he talks about the night that he sent the message to the circus. So this gives a lead for Smiley to look up on. And uh, that lead is basically he sends Cumberbatch back into the circus to get the logs to confirm what Tom Hardy said. Right. Yeah. Let's get some confirmation. Yeah. And, and this leads in uh, both Todd and I's favorite scenes. I think it's the best scene in the movie. Yeah. It's, 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 so, it's a lot of fun. It's so yeah. much fun. <laughs> so what, what we need to do in this case, I don't, well, I don't know why we didn't need to do all this rigmarole the last time we sent him in. Right. He he apparently just went in and walked out with the records previously, right? So, uh, but the minor minor on... minus five points for the movie because you know there was nothing that should should have put. Well, actually, maybe not, maybe not because there is something I wasn't a hundred percent clear on it, but something about when uh, Ricky Tar shows up on the radar, it does actually. There's some there's some scenes that kind of indicate that it kind of tickles Percy's alarm bells. And, and we're shown that Percy has received information that Ricky showed up in Paris. And so the heat is kind of on, but when Cumberbatch got first sent, he had to go into one small office and pull stuff out of like a, I don't know what, like, like a, like an armoire or whatever you would call those. And um, this time he has to go into the records room and they don't let, stuff in or out of those type of places right so i i guess it's the heat's on and this is a little bit more 
serious type of situation. I don't know. He, he waltzed out. He apparently waltzed out with the reptile fund information. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, just a few days ago. Yeah. Nobody, nobody blinked book. an eye there. So so maybe that's, a that's a, a again, like a condensing of the story. But they at least kind of made some moves to try to kind of indicate that this next mission to go in and get some deeper information might also be like uh, a higher level of threat of uh, right. of people notice noticing and and being tripped out about it, and right. they they take appropriate precautions. In fact, it's a uh, well, it's not entirely convoluted, but it is fun. Um, right. He's he's got there's a whole process of you got to check your bag in, check your bag out, you know. I mean, just standard stuff for right. your your Pentagon or your you know top level MI6 <laughs> establishment is you don't just let people like walk in and out with a backpack. And we want Cumberbatch to be able to get access to his bag real quick so he can so he can stuff this information in. And that's why we do a whole thing where uh, Mendel Mendel. Mendel is calls in pretending to be Cumberbatch's car mechanic. Uh huh. So as as Cumberbatch is going through records and he finds the files he needs, he's approached by one of the like the guards or I guess the the check counter guys or whatever that actually checked his bag in. That he's got a car from his mechanic, and and Cumberbatch gets on the phone and we get a nice shot from the film that there's a lady on like kind of a line switch recording all the phone calls as you do as you do as you do right you got to be listening in on everything like uh but mendel not only calls pretending to be his car mechanic he goes to a mechanic shop where they're playing this really fun jazz song and all mendel does is say like oh there's something wrong with your car you're gonna have to send it to someone else where should i send it and cumberbatch that that's the that's the, so not only is this jazz music playing you got the switchboard lady tapping her toes the guard guy was kind of humming the jazz song it sounds like a mechanic shop in the background and cumberbatch goes oh uh let me get the card of the guy you got to send it to so he says the to the bad guy he's like hey can i get my bag he's like oh just come on just for a second like i just got to get a phone number out of my bag so he, he gets his bag, takes out the card and reads the phone number to Mendel. But what he's really doing is using that as an opportunity to stuff the file into his bag. And then he hands it back to the bag man. So he's, he's, he's successfully gotten the files into his bag without notice. It's so uh, much fun to me because, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think of this myself, but if I just called you from a cell phone, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just to say like, Hey, I'm your mechanic and, uh, I need a certain phone number from you. Can you get it for me? You know, there's a problem right. with your car. <laughs> um, you know, I, I might sound like, I don't know, I'm just calling you from a cell phone. I might just sound like I'm calling you from my apartment. The, the slavish loving detail of actually like making the call <laughs> from a mechanic shop and and playing this music in the background just making the whole auditory experience sound completely convincing how did this not make my number one best trade craft 
I'm not sure. It is my number one favorite tradecraft of the yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was a lot of fun. And uh, it, this actually got my number two best tradecraft was uh, just the entire setup for getting Peter his bag. Uh, I, I think it was really well thought out because they knew that they were going to check his bag. They knew that he was going to have to get the information out and so get something into his bag without notice. And, and yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely worthy of of getting some 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 good plus spy points here. So it's my number two best tradecraft. Now this all would have been fine, and we kind of rest easy as the audience, except uh, Cumberbatch is approached and asked to see the heads of the circus, uh, which is kind of uh, puts us on the edge of our seats as the audience because. We're in this like super suspenseful moment of him getting information out. So we're like, oh, he's been caught. But uh, he's actually taken up the office for something else. Because I guess uh, Percy's on edge about the whole Ricky Tar showing up on the on the board again. And uh, just uh, noticing, I don't know, Cumberbatch, who was supposed to be handling Ricky Tar, you know, is like, we, we got to talk to you. You're fucking your guy. Your guy is a goddamn spy. You're you're not telling us everything you need to tell us, and uh, put your cards out right now. And Cumberbatch, right. Cumberbatch just fucking like puts it right back in his face. Right, says like, yeah, they, if you they if you have him. something, if you have something, tell me. They basically accuse him of being a traitor, and he's like, "Would it surprise you that Ricky Tar just showed up in Paris?" And he's like, "Well, nothing would surprise me about Ricky Tar." And he's like, "Well." Would it also surprise you that 30,000 pounds were deposited into his account? And then he gets real quiet. So, uh, uh, well, first of all, I, I think it's funny that they're sitting there, like, accusing him of being a traitor while he's sneaking out documents to incriminate one of them as the traitor. <laughs> I but, know. Like, if, 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 you, if you think you have something, like, search the right. man. Come on. Right. Right, exactly. But they're really just trying to like scuffle or, you know, ruffle little feathers to see if there is something that he knows, which he doesn't. And he fires back at him. Uh, but what's really interesting is this 30,000 pounds deposit into Ricky's account um, because this heavily incriminates Ricky. And uh, it doesn't look good. It does not look good. And they basically said, your man defected. He's a traitor. He's a mole. He's getting paid off by Carla, this and that. And um, I've been saving my number one best tradecraft for right here because I, I wanted us to get all the points out. Uh, I wanted to talk about the werewolf game that Carla and Bill play. And if you've never played werewolf, it's kind of like that game Mafia. Uh, or if you've been playing Among Us online or uh, Secret Hitler, and it's the game's about the villagers trying to figure out who the werewolves are. Well, if you've ever played the game and you start playing with veterans and you get better at it, you start to notice how good werewolves can get at throwing shade and hiding their identity. And I really wanted to point this entire collection of the master game that Carla and Bill play as like, quote unquote, werewolves. I mean... You know, not like Bill not stepping up to the throne like Percy did. He just kind of sat back and, you know, kind of supported Percy where he could and, and and made plays for Carlo where he could. He wasn't out in the forefront. He was in the background and, and throw, throwing, feeding Percy's ego. 
um, throwing shade on control with the hungry op, um, with the fact that, oh, he's just crazy. He's on a witch hunt. Uh, oh, when, when they get the naval report, Bill just intently reading the report, and he's just like cracking casual jokes, you know. Playing a villager, get, like, playing a villager play, to the hilt. The, the fact that all the heads of the circus were involved in the witchcraft house where they're all going to the house and giving information to the Russians and getting information to the Russians. Cause this floods all the suspicion. You now have all the tops in there. And so you can't just be like, Oh, they've been given information. Well, yeah, this is part of a real op that's been sanctioned by MI6. Like there's nothing wrong going on. You know, the, the, and, and, and if our theory is true that Carla like set up the hungry op, even if he didn't set it up, like, you know, intercepting it and, and creating the headline against Jim. Um, and then, and then right here, depositing $30,000 into Ricky's account, framing him for the killing of Tufty, you know, accusing him of being, a uh, like a traitor or whatever. This whole game, one protects the identity of the mole and two throws massive suspicion on everyone else. Mm-hmm. Jim is suspected. Uh, uh, Ricky's suspected. Preach it. Um, yeah. Control is like gaslighted to death. So any talk about uh, a mole would just be silly at this point. It's, it's perfect. And this is, this is my number one best trade craft is, is, is the whole werewolf game that Carla and Bill play. <laughs> Applause. Yes. 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 <laughs> Bill wins at Werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I guess he doesn't, but <laughs> Well, in the end. <laughs> For now we'll say he does. <laughs> well, I again, you know, that's my number two worst, uh, which I which I mentioned before. He does make one mistake. Uh he lets his friendship interfere with his entire master plan, and I feel like a shit bag for calling him out on that but that's how he gets eventually it gets outed and killed is he had that one little flaw of sympathy for his best friend that he had fully betrayed but just didn't want to live with uh on his conscience um you know the the actual death of his friend out of that situation and and that's what makes it all a sad story like this whole thing yeah. is a sad story. This is not a happy. This is not a happy story. No. It's a pretty grim story. That's typical of Lake Array, where uh, even with the wins, it's not. Oh like my god! A most you know. Do you do you yeah. need to look anywhere <laughs> past a most wanted man? <laughs> the ending <laughs> right. of that movie is so profoundly fucking depressing. Yeah. It just like shakes. <laughs> it just shakes all your faith in the entire uh work of 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 intelligence to just yeah. be this fucked up game that actually nobody wins everyone is just revealed to be uh just flawed and sad at the end right but i fucking love it yeah <laughs> i can't let us i can't let us get out of this scene without talking about uh going back though like remember the um so uh you know oh and and i'm giving mendel a blonde butler award you know blonde butler oh that's right (laughs) from from uh you know this is uh from the uh 1956 version of the man who knew too much the blonde butler award goes to uh a character that just 
in a spy movie that just is way in the background, totally competently does his job, usually mm-hmm. has almost no lines or very few lines, is not really a character, but you just see him in the background just quietly being competent and doing his fucking job. That's a blonde yep. butler. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm giving that award to Mendel. Right. Again, for the way he sets up this whole like sonic, uh, uh, you know, deception of, of of the mechanic making this call to Cumberbatch, and we mentioned that uh, you know even the you know the transcriptionist, you know the the lady that's supposed to be listening to every single call and writing everything right. down so that it's all recorded. You know she's tapping her toe, loving that jazz music, and. I really like this. I really like this tiny little scene where Cumberbatch is okay. He's gotten out of the 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 briefing room uh, uh-huh. where where Percy tried to call him a traitor, and uh, you know he's on his way out. He's got the stuff. Everything looks good, and on his way out down the stairwell, uh, the soldier character seems to make a point of passing him on the stairway. And is humming that same jazz song. Uh, all the color just drains out of Cumberbatch's face. What an right. amazing actor. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a reminder that everyone's listening to everything. Just yeah. like humming that tune, you know, that was on a, a phone call. Just reminds you that, like, yeah, there's there's no secrets here. And, uh, you know, and that's part of why, like, Cumberbatch is so rattled that when he gets back to, and keep in mind, too, like, uh, Smiley sent Cumberbatch in to confirm Ricky Tar's story without ever telling Cumberbatch why he was going in to get Oh, he, he, didn't, he didn't even tell him that he knew he had Ricky. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Right. And, and that's, that's now we get to the Cumberpunch. That's some plus five <laughs> points for Smiley because, Absolutely. you know, if, if Cumberbatch had known something about that, like he might've cracked uh, when right. Percy, you know, was, was throwing some daggers at him, but he comes out of that. I mean, he's completely rattled. And when right. he sees Ricky Tar. Basically, to to his mind, this is just like this one agent that went completely fucking rogue and silent and just went off and did his own shit. And now the top of like my boss's boss's boss is telling me I'm a traitor because, uh, you know, I let this guy off the leash. I come back and I see him sitting on the couch. Cumberpunch. Yep. <laughs> Boom. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how that makes me feel? Um, no, it's a, it's a great scene. And uh, But this is when Smiley finally lets Cumberbatch know that he's been working with Ricky. And uh, he gets the logbook and asks Ricky what day he sent the message. Smiley opens the book and there's been pages torn on the day that he sent the message. So clearly someone's covering their tracks. Smiley is suspicious, Percy. Right. <laughs> so this is this is when we get the kind of the heat on the trail. We know 
we know we know pretty much for sure there's no way smiley can just like throw out throw in any doubt that there is a mole but he's hot on the trail somewhere and he knows ricky is definitely going to be a solid piece to the puzzle but before he follows up on this smiley meets the duty officer that was uh, on duty the night that jim got shot and he learns that um that officer called Smiley's house because Smiley would be first on, on the, the call chain, but Smiley wasn't home. So he ends up contacting Bill who showed up and took control of everything, uh, which starts raising some spidey senses. This is a quick correction from the future. While I was editing this episode, I noticed that David uh, said that the duty officer called Smiley first and then called Bill. That is actually not correct. The duty officer did call Smiley's house. Smiley was not home, but Bill was at Smiley's house because at this point, Bill is having an affair with Smiley's wife. Uh, It's a small detail, but it does come important in a few ways later. And uh, sorry for the sloppy edit. I just couldn't figure out any other way to uh, fix that. Back to the show. After meeting with the duty officer, this is when he goes to talk to Jim or Mark Strong's character to hear his side of the story. Um, And that's when we find out that Jim never died and was taken in for what seemed months to him for interrogation. You know, there's shots of him with like headphones on and they're just playing like horrific sounds trying to get in his head. Uh, That's when we're told as the audience that Arena is dead because they basically shot her right in front of him. Uh, But what's interesting is that he meets Carla, and Carla's flashing that lighter that he took from Smiley oh so many decades ago, and he's only asking about Smiley. Um, And basically when he gets back, Esterhouse arranges him to have a job as a teacher at a school and tells him he has to go into hiding and never tell anybody what happened and that he just, he didn't exist. Basically he had to become uh, what a Lotus theater is the way he described it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some of my thinking about this movie that, that did seem odd to me that right. Mark Strong would just quietly accept this. I mean, he was, he was tasked by John Hurt to do a very important mission. He was nearly killed. He was tortured for a long time. I mean, now there's one reason, you know, you, you might right. want to just go quietly, you know, right, yeah, is, just... is like, you know, I don't want to be fucking tortured anymore. And I kind of don't want to talk about it either. I mean, when, when Smiley shows up and does, are are we cool with this? Like when he does meet with Mark Strong and follows mm-hmm. up on that lead, which was mm-hmm. from the Reptile Fund, and here's his side of the story. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Carla, uh, you know, part of the Mark Strong story is that Carla like seemed in you know to make sure you saw this lighter, kind of a baller alpha villain move. To like, you know, wave your superior dick in the face of of the hero, but but that that can't be plus spy points, you know. No, no, no. no, no. 
I'll bet in the full series or in the book there was some fucking reason for it. But in the movie, oh, yeah, yeah. in in the movie, it's it's whatever that was on right. Carla's part. Like it's it's cut out for time, right? Um, but what we didn't bring up is that when he was told to go into hiding, he was specifically told to never return and not talk about this Tinker Taylor stuff. And th- this is important because, as we know, only two people knew about the code names. It was John Hurt and uh, Jim. The, the Mark Strong character. So when Smiley comes back to Cumberbatch and starts talking about what he learned about Mark Strong's story, he raises the question, you know, I know you're thinking what I'm thinking. How on earth did Esther House know about Tinker Taylor? It's Bill that arranged for Mark Strong to be released, but because Bill is such a good fucking werewolf, he keeps his hands clean and he has Esther House uh, right. deliver the information to Mark Strong and and make that whole arrangement of, you know, uh, 2,000 pounds in a sports car and a fucking teaching job. Oh, yeah, but, well, how did Bill know about the shooting if the ticker wasn't on? So it kind of doesn't make sense about Bill's story. And, well, no, it's not what you think. You know, he knows Bill found out because he knows Bill was at his house fucking in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So we already gave the plus five points for Carla instructing Bill to seduce Anne to uh, throw a, a different kind of suspicion over Bill. That uh, and and here's like here's your minus five points for sm- Smiley, right? For falling for it. Well, it worked for to a point, I guess. Uh, that's literally, in my opinion, like Smiley's only misstep in this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he he eventually gets past it, but uh, you know, Cumberbatch was right, and uh, and Smiley wasn't hearing it because you know Carla Carla's just this fucking master genius that knows how uh, we didn't talk about, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about you know the fact that. Smiley and Carla met each other a long, long time ago, and Carla was just completely silent while Smiley was just like, you know, just trying to pressure him, pressure him, talk him into, you know, and that's why he like gave him the lighter. He's trying to like play friendly cop, but in the end, like Carla learned everything about Smiley, and Smiley n- learned nothing about Carla. Nothing about Carla, yeah. Right. And this is, uh, you know, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy in the novels. It's the first in a three. It's called the Carla Trilogy. Uh, you know, the, there's another book and, a, and then a third book that all deal with the, you know, Smiley versus Carla kind of mm-hmm. situation. And that's probably entirely explored in the miniseries. We're probably just looking at this movie as being like basically like book one of of that but um i don't i don't think we're gonna get a sequel out of this one yeah <laughs> probably not i think i could plug in too some plus spy points for bill because he's selling one lie i'm fucking your wife <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i'm lying about that and that is different from the lie that he is most important for him to maintain which is you know i am not the mole right yeah, that's good. That's good. Mad, mad plus buy points on that. 
Smiley, at this point, he doesn't have the final solution, but he's got all the pieces of the puzzle that he needs. Uh, We're going to see him rewinding all of Tom Hardy's, uh, Ricky Tarr's notes that he gave him. And um, he finds that, uh, you know, according to Ricky, Irina was telling Ricky that Carlo was like, and his crew were, you know, on the Soviet side, were just laughing their ass off about how much like chicken feed they were giving to MI6. Smiley's headquarters kind of like there's a train track yard that is like outside his window or something. And like a lot of times we've seen just for no apparent reason, uh, you know, like trains going past. This is the point where we see a particular image in his mind of uh you know, when you, when you switch the tracks from one to the other up till now in the detective story, he's really just been, you know, Columbo. He's really just been going around like, you know, getting the files, interrogating people, uh, just, just finding out information, passive detective work. I think the switch is meant to show us that he is now going to not just follow the tracks ahead of the game, but he's actually going to create his own track for the enemy to follow. Oh, that's a cool, uh, use of symbolism. Yeah. That's a good find on that one. You know, I was wondering about the train track. I mean, like I figured out it was like something about his mind, like he's on the right track and then he switches tracks, but I didn't, I didn't notice that he was switching from passive to active. He, uh, meets with the, he meets with buttered toast guy. (laughs) and butter toasts boss and uh tells him that witchcraft is corrupted and is working backwards i'm not a hundred percent sure like how he got there from what he knows so far he also specifically told him that he knew uh that he knows about percy's plan to open that cia channel uh using the information from witchcraft which I will call minus spy points for the movie. I'm morally certain that Smiley never found out about that or in any way that we were shown. Yeah, we weren't shown anything. I, I can't think of a moment, not even making like an inference, how he would have figured out that the plan was to get the CIA in. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a logical jump of, of some stuff we just were not shown. Yeah. But from this, he's ready to spring the trap. What Smiley knows is that Operation, or what he's figured out is that Operation Witchcraft has been working backwards for the mole in MI6 to pass information to the Russians and vice versa. He knows that the heads of the circus are meeting with Polyakov to trade information at a specific house. He also knows that everybody's kind of on edge because of Ricky. They all think he's a traitor um, or the mole doesn't want Ricky out because he has the good information. Uh, Either way, nobody wants Ricky around except for Smiley. Uh, What he doesn't know is where this house is that they're meeting for witchcraft. And he also doesn't know the mole. So what he's going to do is, one, he has to get the address for the house that they're meeting at. And two, he's going to use Ricky as bait to get the heads to meet, 
knowing that the mole will head to that house, being the only one who would need to contact Polyakov immediately. Because they're regularly trading information, but, you know, it's like probably on a specific schedule. So with Ricky, what Smiley does is send Ricky to Paris and, you know, flag him up, you know, as a blip on the globe to get the heads to meet. And the only reason anybody would go to Polyakov over Ricky is to let Polyakov know there's an issue and that the mole might be identified. And that's the gist of the trap. So let's let's kind of break this down a little. It's never clear to me how Smiley identifies Toby Esterhaus as being the weak link of the cabal, but we as the audience have been given several clues. I mean, right. he's a fucking worm. Yeah, you and that's know? what's interesting about this type of situation, uh, the the scene with Smiley, because Smiley opens up, you know, I want to talk about loyalty, because it turns out control, John Hurt control, saved uh, Esther House from Hungary somewhere. He was a wanted man. You know, I guess he was like on the streets. It's a war-torn kind of situation. You know, and Smiley points out like, you know, you betrayed control, but that's probably how you survived the war is your ability to switch sides. So he he really is just this wormy character. It's often, you know, like um, comes up in some spy movies where like, you know, you see the guy that switched sides once. Right. That tells you they have that capability. The way Smiley plays this whole situation escalates so hard every moment of the way he picks him up well this is kind of weird hi george how you doing you know uh they 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 drive off to this uh runway and then peter or uh, cumberbatch drops off smiley and esther house on the runway and then just drives off so it's just smiley and esther house. Uh-huh. i'd like to talk about loyalty and goes on this whole thing and then it escalates a little more a plane fucking lands behind them and is obviously headed towards them. And he's still going on, you know, you betrayed control, you know, all this other stuff. You pick the wrong side and then, and then the plane stops, the propellers shut off and, and Smiley's like, you're still a wanted man, aren't you? Oh, back on the, on the other side of the curtain. Yes. And that's when, like you said, Esther House just starts breaking down. I am loyal. I am loyal. Don't send me back. You know, blah, blah, blah. Because his whole, like, life of pomp and being like this worm is about to, like, crumble. And and this is when Smiley goes, yeah, you guys have all been meeting with a person, with a Russian agent, passing information. But I know something you don't know. You're actually giving information to Carla. And that's, that's, like, what really shocks, like, Esther House. And all Smiley wants out of this whole performance of really sweating and really threatening to like end his entire career and life and whatever, throw him into some Hungarian prison. Tell me the address of where you guys meet. Like that's, that, that's really, that's really what, what gets my like best tradecraft, which is this whole grandiose, like just really sweating him hard. He made a big fuss, made it, showed him this is serious business. I'm not fucking around here, blah, blah, blah. All I want is the address, just this little address. You know what I mean? Like, that's all he wanted from him. And, and that's what he got, because that was one of the big key parts of setting up the trap. So, yeah. 
Best best tradecraft number three. Yeah, so you got part one. You know where the where the rat will scurry if it's got cheese. Next step, right. provide the cheese. Uh, Smiley sends Ricky to Paris to uh, send a message uh, to, to, to manage to hold the British intelligence agent uh, of the Paris checkpoint at gunpoint to send a message to the circus. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, immediately like that freaks everyone out. Because apparently it's he, he sends out the the exact same message that he sent out on November twentieth uh, when he had right. Irina in hand, and mm-hmm. so that freaks everyone out. They meet up uh, at the circus. All the all the people that you might think were the mole, Tinker Tailor, Soldier, but only one of them heads to the safe house that Esther House had uh, given up. Uh, that's Bill. The tailor, the mole, right, right, uh, who <laughs> needs to let Polyakov know that Ricky is still out there. Ricky's still broadcasting, and uh, Ricky needs to be silenced. But of course, since we already have the safe house in hand, Smiley's already there. Yeah, the trap was set. Yeah, Bill fell for it. Blah blah blah. It didn't feel super dramatic to me. Uh. But, you know, they got him. He fell for it. Movie moves on. Minus, I, I would I would maybe give some minus five points for the film. At least minus, minus drama points for the way this part was handled. But I, again, like, I, I'll, I'll save it for the debriefing. Do you have anything you want to say before we get in there? I, I think we're showing it through Peter's eyes just to add more suspense. Because we're like the like, the film's withholding information from the audience. But I agree, it kind of was really fast. But I mean, I, I read an interview with Colin Firth about you know the filming of this. You know, he he played Bill, and he was saying they they desperately tried the the in post production, the crew desperately tried to cut this down to like what what was the count like two hours? Was it's the a film straight. Time? It's a straight two hours. Yeah, they tried to cut it down from three and a half hours, and I'm pretty sure they probably had to cut it down from what probably seven, eight hours of, of footage or something. I think yeah. this. I think I think a movie like this could have could have definitely survived like a two twenty or a two and a half, right. and right. might have been a better movie. But now I feel like we're we're straying into like full on debrief. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's right. let's let's head in there. Agents, please report for debriefing on this operation. The director will see you now. It's more about what happened before Smiley got involved to me than what he does with it. Right. Um, it's it's a fun detective story. It's got a great cast. It is a highly mechanical and intricate spy movie. Um gonna go ahead and say like not my favorite movie i've ever seen uh even though like i love the performances in it so much i I don't feel like i need to revisit this one a lot um mine's a 3.5 i like it about i I think it's about as rewatchable as sneakers 
It's uh, <laughs> a most a most wanted man, samurai spy, good shepherd, the departed. Like for for many reasons, uh, I can think of a lot of spy movies that I find to be much more rewatchable than than this one. I actually think, like me personally, I I I, I like rewatching it and being able to watch it again and again and for this. And when we were trying to figure out the pieces going back and watching it over and over, like within a few weeks made me appreciate it more than when I'd first seen it. And the second time I saw it and the third time I saw it, you know, it's, it's these kind of movies that I really enjoy in a spy film. And, um, why I really like doing this podcast is for films like this. Um, so I, I, I mean, just the, the cast was like, out of control. There was so many amazing scenes. The dialogue was great. Um, and it was like tons of trade craft to enjoy. And so I, I, I'm going to go with a 4.5 on this one. Hot. I, I, I highly recommend if you, if you like spy films, I highly recommend watching this and watching it a couple times. So you can pick up the little, little nuggets that we got to find. Absolutely. It's um it's a tradecraft near perfect. All of the uh tradecraft errors that uh our characters make are seem to be very much and and you know in a way that I love to see uh very much in service of a message that the author is trying to tell us is uh Basically, pride comes before the fall. Right. Uh, in in every way, there's so many like everyone's everyone's got a flaw, you know. Like and and these flaws of personality are always the reasons that they make mistakes, and that's what's so great about John Le Carre. And this film really had a, a lot of what I want out of a spy film. And it was tons of tradecraft. And there was so much really good tradecraft that Todd and I got to pull out of it. It was actually hard for me to put this into like uh, a list of only three. But my my best tradecrafts, uh, my three best, number three was uh, Smiley threatening Esther House. Just the whole performance, really sweating him just to get the address. Uh Number two best tradecraft, the entire setup that Smiley and uh, Mendel had to to get uh, Cumberbatch into the circus and get his bag back so he could put the file in, you know, with the jazz song and the sounds of a mechanic shop. That was great. Uh, but my number one best tradecraft was definitely the werewolf game that Carla and Bill played. Everything, and I mean everything they did solidified Appreciate. the idea yeah soli- completely solidified that there is no mole bill bill is definitely not the mole and there's not even a mole and even if there was look at these guys those guys are hella suspicious you know without even saying it out loud it just 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 the whole like master chess game that that carla and bill played it it was it was it was great i, I really enjoyed it what was your best? Oh, but, well, coat trailing I loved. And that was kind of an accidental find because I accidentally was looking at the wiki 
uh, for the novels where coat trailing was specifically explained. And then I kind of noticed that that was going on in the movie. I I had the idea it was maybe just trailing his coat a bit. Uh, (laughs) That I was like, boom. Yes. Yes. You know, the whole, the, the best, my best number two, the, the idea of using uh, that, sleeping sleeping with smiley's wife as a way of like cover <laughs> like hiding in plain sight you know telling right. the, the different lie to hide the real lie uh right. literally causing smiley's only misstep in the film um that's good stuff my number one is uh it it kind of goes sort of to the werewolf game but uh bill could have been the face of witchcraft easily right but it's, it, it makes so much more sense to let, you know, uh, Percy, a man with a big forehead and a dream, <laughs> be, be the face of witchcraft. It's fucking beautiful. Um, goes straight into my number three worst, which is uh, <laughs> Percy's, Percy letting his ambition cloud his judgment. He, he, did, that, he did that several times. You know, he was the ideal puppet. My number two worst, of course, is Bill intervening to trade the Mark Strong character out. Again, I'll say it again. In for a penny, in for a pound. If you're going to fucking, if you're going to fuck over your best friend, bury him. Uh, You know, there's, there's no, there's no half-assing that. You know, because if you don't do it, they're going to come back at the end of the movie and put a bullet in your head. Yeah, right. Which is exactly what happened. And my number one, (laughs) my number one matches yours. So I'll I'll let you I'll let you do that. What's your worst? My number three worst trade craft. Like I said, it was hard finding some bad decisions uh, the first couple of times around in the film. Uh, But uh, the skimping on the punch. It was great. Yeah. We like, we had control. He's like, you penny pinching Scott or whatever he called it. It was really funny. I thought it's it okay. Funny. I'm, I'm, I'm Scottish. You can, you can call, you, yeah. can, you, you can, you can talk shit about Scottish people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my Scottish uncle, he told, he told me, uh, yeah, we're a people with, uh, let's see. Uh, we have, uh, deep pockets and short arms. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> uh, uh, my number worst. I'm pretty fucking cheap. You know me, right? Yeah. I'm I'm pretty uh-huh. fucking cheap. Uh, not so much. I'm not sure it's because I'm Scottish, but uh, right, right. I, I blame I blame my cheapness on on my Scottish blood just because it's yeah. easy out. <laughs> then I don't then right. I don't have to take actual responsibility for my own actions. What's your yeah, number yeah. two? What's your number two worst? My number two worst tradecraft was uh, Ricky skipping protocol and contacting the circus directly. I mean, you just received information that one of the heads of the circus was a mole. So what do you do? Contact one of the heads of the circus. Like He, he basically told the mole, hey, I know there's a mole. Uh, so, yeah, that's my number two worst. Uh, and then. Todd and I's number one worst tradecraft goes so easy. to Jim. So easy. It's like yeah. shooting fish in a barrel picking this one out. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on. 
you just had this really big, first of all, you're probably like on a lower level. You have the head of intelligence coming to you probably because he thinks you're a, a noble guy. And he's like, don't tell anybody. And what do you do? You go and tell the mole that the head of the intelligence knows about a mole and they're going to find out the identity. Um, yeah, that was the worst, worst decision ever. That could have saved a lot of lives it by is just following protocol. It is almost retarded that this entire movie hinges around that. Because it's so one fucking moment. bad. Yeah. Super bad. I think that on our uh, park bench rating, which is our rating from one to five on how good, uh, how accurate the tradecraft is, uh, we're going to, I think we're going to stop. We have to stop short of a five because a five has to be like that holy grail of pure right. perfection but uh, i think this is going to be our first 4.5 park benches it's uh it's almost unassailable yeah i i definitely want to agree with you on this it's it's a uh, fours were like munich a most wanted man the company meh yeah right yeah uh, i yeah no i'm gonna have to agree with you on a 4.5 we've definitely just done our most serious spy movie ever in like and we're on like episode 27 or something right <laughs> we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pull a fucking hard U-turn. <laughs> we're, we're doing that thing. We're doing that thing where you like use the parking brake to like right. you know make a mad spin. Yeah, <laughs> throwing up some smoke. It's coming up next, Spy Kids. I'm really excited. We've been wanting to be do Spy Kids for fucking ever. It's always yeah. wanted to be <laughs> one of the movies we're gonna put in there. I've only seen some of it. Uh, what I saw made me tremble. And <laughs> what I saw made me seriously doubt that uh, we're, we're actually going to fucking do this. But, uh, yeah. but Lewis, Lewis is totally on board. We're going to get some yammering Lou in there. Yeah, uh, this will be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be. Um, yeah, it's going to be next week. Yeah. <sighs> We'll have to find some fucking <laughs> some trade yeah. in there. I think there'll be plenty. I think there's gonna be a lot of worse and best for us to pick from. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right. And that's the end of our show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at spies underscore like us. Visit us on our website at www.spieslikeus.net. You can find out about upcoming episodes. Also, what will really help us out is if you give us a review on wherever you found our podcast, either on iTunes or your Android app or YouTube or wherever you listen to us. Uh, even if you didn't like the show, just give us a review. It'll help us give us feedback so we can make the show better. And it can also help other people who haven't found the show yet find out about us. Hey, Moira, initiate Protocol 9. Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in 20 seconds.
the preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler.